another episode of House of Decline. This will be a change-up from the last two episodes, which have been talking about uh, the horrors of the world. But uh, <laughs> instead, we're gonna we're gonna go back to more of our regular format this week and talk about the horrors of film, specifically the horror film genre. And for that, we have on. Uh, Kyle Edward Ball, director of Skinnamarink, a movie that came out past year, horror movie. I love it. It's perfect. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good. Um, this is actually kind of like just interesting because Jeremy Appel, who was your last guest, um, he also lives in Edmonton. Yeah. So it's been a Edmonton-heavy I don't know, uh, tranche. Yeah, yeah, we got, uh, yeah. We're feeling Edmonton this October, which is a very spooky city, frankly. I, I, yeah, I, like Edmonton. Horror, horror ideals from that. How, how did that influence you growing up in Edmonton? I don't know. Like the horror community in Edmonton is fairly strong. And I don't, I think it's, there's a lot of smaller communities that are fairly strong in Edmonton because of um, like the size of the universe. Like it, it's, it's, it's like the Austin or Madison or a city like that kind of yeah. mentality where they have like decent punk scene, decent Edmonton in particular, big into improv weirdly, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, oh, it's, great. Yeah. Uh, it's a big thing. There's this, um, long-running improv like thing called dynasty like dynasty dynasty sure. where they do in this theater and everything does improv for like 48 hours straight like they take like they baton off and leave and then other people come on and it's like a a thing like people book up that's another weird thing about edmonton is like our alternative theater scene is so weird it's it's so like fucking tough. like okay when i i visited calgary for calgary horror con lovely city but you don't realize how weirdly hippie edmonton is until you get back like i came back and we had folk like our two biggest festivals are folk festival and the fringe festival like fringe theater mm -hmm. which are like two like the two most canola thing pop like you could like yeah <laughs> yeah it's a it's a, a goofy liberal city in the midst of yeah. otherwise conservative uh and uh sort of backwards Albertan land. No, Alberta's fine. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but Calgary's not like Calgary's not as conservative as, as they, but on election day, yeah. they're very But then if you go there, they're not like, like, like they don't feel conservative. They're just, they're doing their own thing there. We're doing our own thing here. I'm yeah, constantly in a Mr. royalty out of Edmonton. You got Mac DeMarco. You've so that Mac DeMarco, fun thing, fun thing about Mac DeMarco. So if you're a younger millennial in Edmonton, there's a strong like couple degrees of separation thing with Mac DeMarco, right? Mm -hmm. So mine is I worked at the American Eagle Outfitters at Southgate with his younger brother. 
for like two years. <laughs> and so another kind of weird thing, which so Mac DeMarco does lo-fi music, right? Like Ariel Pink. So I did a lo-fi movie. So I wonder if there that there's something there with Edmonton and lo-fi. Well, what I yeah, there's some sort of um I, I mean, in Skinnamarink, and I guess uh, we can get into spoilers for Skinnamarink. If you haven't seen it yet, basic premise, two kids in a house, doors and windows start disappearing. Uh, what? Oh, no. You know, yeah. <laughs> watch the movie. It's 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 really fucking good. It's on Shudder. It's on a bunch of platforms. It's on Shudder, AMC Plus, and in the United States, it's also on Hulu. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also rent it and get those you can also yeah. pirate it so it came out in it came out in february but it's halloween season now so watch it again i'm sure it's on this is right now at the end of the year right now was when it was supposed to come out <laughs> why did it like, get, why did it come out in february we got pirated um at a european festival last october and so originally shutter was going to give us the coveted halloween release Mm -hmm. and then the movie got pirated and shutter was like, okay i guess we're releasing in january now right and they did really good with dealing with the whole piracy thing yeah. like they they were able to like make lemons into lemonade with it so yeah well you yeah. know it sort of like uh, ended up well because um it got released mm -hmm. in fuck you it's january and it's like the only yeah. good movie to come out in january so everyone is like oh yeah it's, it's look at this the one good movie that came out this book mm -hmm. uh so but yeah i think it was it was really uh interesting to me at the time because um i don't know it it, it felt like this uh natural evolution between these two uh, sort of uh, converging genres of analog horror and liminal horror into yeah. something else that I, in my head, that I'm pigeonholing, you know, because everyone pigeonholes this, this is analog horror, you know, because there's a CRT mm. monitor in it. Um, would you? And it's grainy, horror? right? Yeah. It's oh, yeah, absolutely. Throw any label you want on it, right? Like, I like analog horror. I like liminal horror. I would say I use the term liminal more when I was like, on set like working with my dop but i would say a, a, a thing i said more was lo-fi like i just kept calling it lo-fi yeah because it is kind of because it was never like oh i wanted to look like a videotape it was oh, i, I wanted to look like a 70s 70s movie yeah but it also yeah it really looks because it's um it's all shot on digital right yeah uh, I think that's what's it was. So was like all the, all the film grain done in after effects. And yeah, like there wasn't that much grain when we shot it. Mm -hmm. Like we used a super advanced camera that you could, um, like basically film in pretty dark and it would see better mm -hmm. than the human eye before getting a huge amount of grain. So like most of the scenes were lit off a television, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. it performed fine. But yeah, all the grain was added in post. Um, 
Yeah, but we don't we don't have because it it like doesn't it looks very much like seventies film grain, but there's something slightly different about it. But yeah, like I think I think it what it comes down to is when you apply an effect, no matter how hard you try, and I worked a lot at trying to get it to look right. Mm -hmm. Like it it doesn't sink into the texture of the scene scene in the same way actual film would. Yeah. Or maybe if I knew how to color and do this effect better, I would be able to, but I see even in other movies, they don't necessarily. Although when other movies try to mimic it, I, I always feel they do not that good because they're always trying to do homage but we don't have to talk about skin and ring the whole no, time we can just talk, I about... talk about skin and ring because yeah yeah get it. get like any questions you want out of the and way i'm and very can... interested because it feels like i don't know like not to not to you know blow smoke up your ass or anything but it feels like a a, a movie that people will be referencing for a while Feel I like hope so. That. Yeah. But who knows, right? Like yeah. we'll see. Right. I hope my neck I hope people like my next one. Oh yeah. I'm glad you're working on I'm glad this one blew up so that you you're probably getting more of a budget for this next one. I yeah. Today I went to the Staples Business Center and printed off the second draft. Hell yeah. So the first draft, type out, da, 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 da. and then the second draft I do on the computer, like I look through, da, 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 which is always a nightmare because you see all the mistakes and you see all the like, da, da. and then I got that all revised. And then I triumphantly walked over to Staples and printed, I bought a whole new binder for it, put it in. And then, yeah. And that's great that you're already. And then I'm going to mark it up. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I had like, I would still be, uh, is the desire to just market it to, uh, if I were to make something like Skinnamarink that blew up as much as I did, I would rest on that shit for like five years <laughs> and yeah. you know, I wouldn't do anything else. That's probably wrong. I don't know. I'm not I'm afraid though, because like, that's kind of what the Blair Witch guys did. Yeah. And you know, I want to, I want to see if I can do it a second time, right? Like, and I, I think I can if I try real hard. I really like this next one. And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm kind of trying to prove to myself, too, that, like, the first one wasn't just a happy accident. No, no, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. I don't think you can make something that sort of, I don't know, uh, idiosyncratic without it being a happy accident, you know? Okay, well, thank uh, you. Well, because the next one, is it going to be as like uh, Chantal Ackermany or is it going to be like uh, a... It's going to be a little bit less Chantal Ackermany, but not not as much as I think people would assume for Mm -hmm. always getting a bigger budget. Um, So it's going to be a lot of very slow tension stuff? I can't can't give away. Uh, You don't have to give away anything, but... um, Actually, that's what I was reading some of the the Wikipedia on it, and I was um, so excited to see that the first two influences that you cited were Chantal Ackerman and Stan Brakhage. And when I saw those, yeah. I was like, "Oh!" Well, but those make so much freaking sense. Those just, I think they're just citing a specific reason because they always ask, like, "What's well, what are some of your experimental influences?" And of course, I named them, mm-hmm. but like. 
if they asked like, oh, what are your horror influence? It'd be like, oh, well, da, 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 da. so the article could have been written totally different. Like, it's interesting to see how the article, like your, the Wikipedia, your movie shapes out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I still don't have a Wikipedia page for myself. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do that for yourself. Right. They're very mad about that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I just, I haven't done one for myself because, like, I my ego couldn't take that. Right? No, like, I couldn't do that shit either. Yeah, I, I would, uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't think I deserve a Wikipedia page, though. But you probably, here, here's what you, you probably you have one. Like this one, that's more information they can add to the Wikipedia page that some, some uh, yeah. nerdy guy that you haven't even met is probably cataloging right now. And God bless those people. They're wonderful. People. Yeah. Unproblematic uh, nerds. <laughs> the best nerds, nerds with no particular ambition is, yeah. is beyond just uh, learning stuff. I think are the best people on earth. Nerds mm-hmm. with ambition. Terrible. That's how you get Zuckerbergs. You know, that's, yeah. that's not what we want. We don't want ambitious nerds. Uh, I have a sure. friend who, my best friend, her spouse works for, well, not spouse, they're basically spouse. Like, he works for Meta. How does he like it? Is he, is he like, yeah, fucked over by I don't know. I have a bunch of friends who work in tech, and like, I ask, and they're like, yeah, we, we do code, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, I have another friend who, him and his wife both work in tech, I well, I think she, I'm pretty sure she works in tech, right? Like, but like, yeah, it's like, yeah, we do computer stuff when we work from home, right? Mm-hmm. So, That's I always it. find like tech people they always have the best like stories that aren't work related. <laughs> How so? Like, what do they say? Like, just like because they always seem to be having fun and making the most out of life. <laughs> the tech people well yeah like i don't Not i don't know I it's know. just like that's because they never they never seem to have work stories which like some of them do right but like i think also it's too is maybe if you work for tech mm-hmm. ndas getting the, i don't know yeah but yeah they i guess you work for tech in order to make the cash so you can go somewhere cool and then talk about it yeah Whereas like when you're making know. a movie, you just work 18 hours a day on it and then you do. <laughs> yeah. You do, uh, well, right now I'm doing this. So when you're writing it, so it's like five hours of pacing spaced out over 18 hours mm-hmm. and then maybe an hour, hour and a half of actually typing, if that. Yeah. And it's That's just a lot. With me, I just pace and pace. And like I find I write best at like like the witching hour between three and four. Yeah, no, because that's when the sun is down. That's when there's no activity. That's when it's silence. You know, that's when, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I get it. I fully understand. Well, I think, I mean, also it's like, it seems like you take like a lot of care and and like, or moral considerations in the, it, it, into the script, especially about how you you think about filming it too. What I was very impressed with, with in Skinnerink too is like uh, the use of child actors how you structured mm-hmm. it in such a way as to not like do anything traumatizing to them, William Friedkin style, or like, yeah, or like, well, but like, fucking hard because there's only like 10 shots with the kids actually in them. What did that take? Yeah, like, afternoon or something like that. 
Yeah, so dialogue and camera, it was maybe five hours yeah. with a lunch in between. But that was that was designed from the get-go, though. Like, let's not give myself too much ethical credit. But like in the same vein, like, yeah, it was it was it was also a little bit like uh working with kids will be difficult. Let's make it as easy for them as for both of us. Yeah. As also as young as they are, too. Uh, yeah. What, what were they, six years old or something like that? So they were six and I think about to turn eight in real life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in Hollywood, you always play younger, right? Of so course. You they're play. playing four and six. Yeah. But um, they were great because we, like, from the get-go, another big thing, too, is my sister owns a daycare. And when I say she owns one of those houses that's a daycare, okay, that's also her house, right? Sure. And um, she provided advice on how to work with kids. And she also said, like, she's been kind of inspirational, too, because she's like, you know, working with kids, it's really, it's hard but it can be so rewarding. Right. And I think the movie was an example of that, right? Like it was rewarding. Right. And now I have like fun stories about kids on set who like took the tape out of the tape machine and, and like pulled it out. Right. Instead yeah. of like working with a bunch of cynical adults, that's like kind of looking at a mirror all day. Right. Like, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Cause well, also just like, uh, you know, there's a there's a spectrum of kids on set stories from, yeah. from this, which is very wholesome to like John Landis, which, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, oh, probably God. the worst. Uh... Uh... Oh, that whole thing. So I saw that movie when I was like really little yeah me it had too. a really that fucking movie big anyway. impact on me yeah there was another thing too in an episode you mentioned that you saw the fly when you were eight and i'm like oh that's like looking in a me like same with me but yeah. that's because my mom really likes that movie that's weird <laughs> no no my mom and she's not like she a cool horror. your mom sounds cool if she really likes the fly you know she doesn't feel cool to me like she's a bookkeeper blah 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 but like she's like she's cool in weird ways like she anyway so um the fly but we also watched twilight zone when i was fairly young mm -hmm. and I, like i didn't know about any of that i don't know if my family even knew about, or maybe they had mentioned it to me but it probably would have been a half remembered news story for them right like yeah. a lot of people don't know about it or misremember it as i remember in film school um yeah well i watched that movie with my dad and while i was watching the movie he explained the story to me but i was a kid so i was like oh okay oh. <laughs> i can't register the seriousness of, of what that, that guy that guy he died yeah vic morrow and two <laughs> of the child actors they, they died made... in a most horrible fashion you know he's jennifer jason lee's father vic morrow yeah <laughs> get out of here no, Google, I, I'm not misremembering Does it. Does Jennifer Jason Lee like have a blood vendetta against John Landis? I don't know. Like that's not okay. Cause like Marcia Marisha Hargitay is the car accident decapitation woman. What? She she The Satanist? What's her face? There's a Satanist car accident decapitation woman? She was kind of like a B-movie Marilyn Monroe. Not Mamie Van Dorn, but... 
uh, 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 Jane Mansfield? No. Yes, Jane Mansfield. Marcia Hargitay is Jane Mansfield's daughter. What? Yeah. What? I so didn't know I've any like, of these impressive celebrity nepo babies. You know the the recipe for being a a, a good working actor. Mm-hmm. Your parents gotta get to capital. There you oh, go. Oh, so you oh. got entertainment parents. I mean, it it always like Liza and Judy still freaks me out. You know that. that I know a strange one. It doesn't feel that's right somehow so tra- So like, have you seen interviews of Judy when she's like? in her early 40s are so yeah. sad because she looks so much older because she just did not stop doing drugs and not stop drinking and not stop smoking like she looks like easily in her her 50s mm-hmm. because she just uh she gave so much that she they gave yeah. her they fed her in in like huge amounts when she was 17 in order to make started her- with the wizard of that was another fun fact my mother taught me my mother taught me so much as a kid just little things right well we talked about this on twitter spaces mm-hmm. so during the wizard of Oz, she said so she's supposed to be playing like someone who's your sister's age who's at the i think at the time was like 10 or 11 mm. and she's like but she's much older and she has like boobs so they made her wear like a thing like a constrictor uh, uh, they made her wear oh dang because she's supposed her. to be playing like a kid right like is she? I, I never got that ele- she always seemed like a teenager in the in well the, she is right like she's almost like gonna be an adult but like she's supposed to be playing like a 10 or 11 year old she's great i understand she's she's one of the gay icons i understand uh what are what are ones you don't there's only one really it's taylor swift <laughs> oh really i don't like taylor no, swift. she's fine no taylor swift is fine there's just like I, it happened at Pride this year where I was like, I, I would know. be, you know, bumping along to the Whitney song. I would be bumping along to the Rihanna song. And then, you know, the yeah, Taylor um, song would come on and be like, I'd be like, man, jeez, <laughs> oh, something. I, I don't mind Taylor. I re- like, I do, I feel an intrinsic identity with Whitney because we have the same birthday. Uh, like, do you ever get that with someone? Even though they're uh, like the the know. guy whose identity, the, who I was so happy to find out shares my birthday, is Kentaro Miura, creator of Berserk. Uh, oh, nice. Which is and because I have Fucking a bunch weeb. of like, weird oh, specific ones like Yul Brenner and uh, which is I like Yul Brenner, but I don't particularly identify. Etc. Etc. Uh, et yeah, et <laughs> yeah, that guy's is fucking awesome. But He's you know, get, I'm not, yeah. I'm not like him in any particular way. Uh, but I am like Mira, and I am a weeb, but not that much, you know. Sorry for calling you. It's no, I am. It's all right. I love Japanese stuff. I've been uh, been watching Iron Chef just nonstop, constantly since I found out they were all on the American Netflix. or the Japanese. No, the one. Ja- the good one, the good Japanese. Okay. Because America, Iron Chef America, the tone was different. They never got it right. They didn't understand it's it's supposed to be like wrestling. It's like, you know, yeah. thing. Uh, I um I the I, I can't watch food competition. Like the only food shows I will ever watch is old Julia Child. Yeah, yeah. And I like the Jack and Julia one where she like she has someone she can volley off of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's got because she's got a bouncy personality. She needs sort of like a she needs a straight man in order. And to it's do calming. Like there's some like I'm not really a cook, but like there's some recipe she does. It's like I could probably do that if I had the ingredients or the willpower or want to do that. Uh, those really elaborate, you know, butter, French, bu buttery, buttery, herby, herby, Frenchy dishes. Yeah, she was the king. Yeah, fucking Julia Chow. She was a spy. She was six foot three. Yeah, she was kind of badass, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. She seems like a well, a lot of the GI... Too, like you could break a chair over her and yeah. take it, you know? And I yeah. That. Although I would never do that. No, of course. You would never yeah. break a chair over Julia Child. Bob no, Ross is a different story. You could. You think you could take down Bob Ross with a chair? No, I, I, I just want to harm him. No, just... <laughs> you know, like Bob Ross, there's people, he's very beloved. Yeah, he's like universally beloved. Yeah, one of those guys like Steve Irwin. Yeah. Uh, man. Although he went, he had a brief, like, remember when he held um, the baby wrong, like unsafely, like the head wasn't supported. We were like, t I think, 10 when it happened. Uh, did, like what, ba like a human baby? Yeah, like his kid, like like his kid. Yeah, when, was, oh, yeah, he's yeah. a child, and he's holding. Who like has turned out fine, but like, and I think this was fresh off the Michael Jackson dangling baby thing. So I don't know. A lot of baby mishandlings in the early two thousands, but he's fighting yeah. a hero because an unlikely animal uh, murdered him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, something about Skinner Brink. So, uh, uh, it wasn't mentioned on the Wikipedia page, but yeah. um, a lot of what I saw in Skinner Brink was um, uh, uh, expressionist, like especially uh, Fritz Lang. Oh, I Fritz love Fritz Lang. Yeah, especially yeah. Um, there's like those shots where you're you're doing a lot of it's shot from a low angle because it's like people. yeah, looking up at the ceilings and it's all shadows and angles, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and like, so how much of it was just like looking around the house, just looking for cool shit? Did you have a shot list or were you just like... I had a fully developed shot list that was based on a fully developed script. And for the most part, we followed it. But when you get to the shooting day, it's like, okay, well, maybe let's shoot it this way instead of that. But for the most part, like that's... What you see on screen is, for the most part, what's on the page. <laughs> wow, was that's just, very impressive to me because I would have like guessed it would have been just you had this location for an uncertain amount of time and were just like finding cool shit within it. Like, take no, I planned it because like I was filming at my parents' house. I didn't want to mess it up, <laughs> take advantage. <laughs> And like some of it we had like just, just for a day, but still it's like, okay, we have kids on set. I'm taking time. So yeah, it may look like, and there are parts where it's like, okay, that was a one shot where I told Jamie, just get a shot of this while we're setting up fucking around with that stupid TV. <laughs> and and prop, can't have a movie without prop mishaps, just like Jaws. Oh, that fucking So that TV, so the button, the power button was broken and it didn't have a remote. So to turn it on and off, we would have to unplug it and plug it back in. Mm -hmm. And when you plug that TV in, 
the default setting for the volume is like 15, which is fine if you're on cable, but it was just on static. So you turn it on and it go, right? So we had to plug it back in and then my AD would have to like sit by it and turn it all the way down. <laughs> yay, yay, a whole that fucking TV. Fucking... But it worked, and then, you know, you got the nice blue flickering light out of it. Yeah, the TV worked great. I just hate it. Like another thing too is it's like do you remember those TVs carrying them? They were these weirdly front heavy monsters. Oh yeah. Like and like then it collected dust at my parents for like a year and then I was like to my friend Edmund, who gave us the TV, or one of our executive producers, like, okay, do you, I'll just take this to the dump for you. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to keep it because it's a, it's like famous now. Mm-hmm. So we had to schlep it all the way from Edmonton to Mil- like across the city. Because <laughs> he wanted to keep this goddamn TV. Oh my god! Yeah, that's like I offer. I think I even offered like I will pay you fifty dollars to destroy this TV. It's like no, I want to keep it. <laughs> They're cool. Everybody loves fucking CRT monitors and VHS stuff. I don't know what happened. I don't know if yeah, little ones, kids, little like, TVs. Yeah, that's true. Get, getting the little Shrek CRT monitor, you know, that's what people want. I have a friend who has a Shrek TV. <laughs> why of course you know people yeah. uh, uh, uh the the vhs market got big again because mm. i guess you know all of the all of the millennials are like 30s now and have disposable income and have uh remember the 90s that was the last time shit was good right you know we were at the end of history moment in north america I mean, that's also kind of like Skinnamarink because it's in a way the terror of the 90s in a strange way. What I hear is, so, you know, at the beginning, the two are in the hallway and you hear the dad watching like some old movie in his bedroom, right? Originally in the script, he was going to be watching the news and to set the time... Mm-hmm. The news broadcaster was gonna like mention the OJ Simpson trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Which is also like that's the first like world event that I really remember. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Also yeah. thematically relevant because it's about the violent separation of a family. Oh shit, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, you, it, I, I think what was it like a rights thing or was it like a no, it was just down to that was one little thing that I got lazy with. And I'm like, this doesn't necessarily match the tone of the rest of the movie. So I just found a copyright free movie from the forties and, sure. and use that instead. <clears throat> yeah. there. I, I love the selection of cartoons you had, especially um, uh, one which didn't get played, but was just had the title slash was one that was deeply ingrained in my childhood memory as being fucking terrifying, which was balloon world of iWorks balloon world. You see a tiny, you see the title of balloon works and but yeah that's a really good if you works his whole do you know he did some special effects stuff on forbidden planet no yeah he did he did like because there was a time in the 50s where animation and special effects kind of overlapped in a certain yeah. way because it was just applying animation to the frame right mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, if you works, I think he's the one who hate ha, like hates Disney, right? Yeah, he had the Disney stole his ideas. He collaborated on Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and got a bunch yeah. Of but then eventually went on to work for Disney after unsuccessfully trying to start his own studio. But you know, one of his works was that fucking Balloon World cartoon, which I saw yeah. as a as a child, and it's the pincushion man. The pincushion yeah. man is coming to you, and he's going to blow up these horrible balloon children. Uh, yeah. But I guess Balloon World also sort of foreshadows the movie in a way because it's two balloons yeah. being antagonized was... by this thing from the wilderness. I got lucky. Like there's, there were so many cartoons that overlapped with theme, like the Somewhere in Dreamland one too. With the two, but also that was on like a bargain bin tape that my mom got us when we were that age. Mm-hmm. So that also had sentimental memory and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But. but that's what you got to do. I mean, that's I think the horror of it. That's what's really effective about it. Um, is um, the thing that is most familiar to you is turned against yeah. you. Um, and that is the ultimate fear, especially as a child when you're very helpless and very vulnerable. You know, yeah. your home is, the, and your parents, that's that's what you, the only thing that represents security to you. And if that's fucked with, you know, the, it's over. Yeah, but like, it was it was very nice of the characters to not watch anything copyrighted yeah yeah they were very but even that was like i thought because that happened to me as a kid when i would like somehow stumble upon like really old like cartoons Mm -hmm. where the values were different and they would be like threatening suicide in the cartoons and it would always seem and the it just felt like so foreign right compared to like um the lion king right? yeah like, yeah yeah forbidden or otherworldly or from yeah uh, yeah echoes and echoes and echoes of reverberation like the and it kind of made it creepy but also exciting right like even at four i thought like this is a little creepy because this is so old yeah. right like no, and also that fucking Presto Changeo cartoon. Yeah. As a childhood, it was always smack dab in the middle of like a collection of Looney Tunes cartoons I had. It yeah. was like, who is this bunny? He is much more malevolent and sinister than Bugs Bunny. I don't like he it. Is, he is proto Bugs Bunny, though. Yes. He is. Like, they, um, he was the like original proto version that became Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that because Bugs Bunny, you know, yeah. he doesn't attack unless attacked. This this hair is completely, you know, he's fucking with those dogs. I guess those dogs, you know, home invasion, but they just needed a place to stay. Elmer Fudd was originally black. Okay, that's no good. Yeah, and then they they like they like a, a lot of those cartoons were quite racist, and they they changed it to him just being a white redneck, right? But yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you can get, uh, everyone knows about the censored 11 and that very yeah. disclaimer WB puts before it. Uh, There's, um, like, that was another thing too, is like that limited the cartoons I could select. Right. Because like some, like a lot of them, if you, blink, the racist you, cartoons you, you miss something, right? Like yeah. there's even like, if you blink, you would even miss it too. It's not for the full thing. So I had yeah. to like vet them and, and like, yeah. 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 That's, I mean, cause so many of those, um, cartoon tropes, you know, even, 
the fact that they wear gloves in cartoons. Yeah, minstrel. It's a minstrel thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's also yeah, it comes from a minstrel thing. So it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, that shit is deeply ingrained in in North American culture in a disturbing way that is somehow inescapable. But uh, you know, Ooh. you try and do your best to ameliorate it, right? Um, remember little little Britain? Yeah, that yeah. In hindsight, that is one of the most like shockingly like ableist like very very angry yeah. at uh welfare cheats for some reason yeah and why very british but like there was one you know how it was always like the same character same joke every time yeah there was one offhand one where there's two minstrels in their kitchen like minstrels in their kitchen listening to the radio mm-hmm and the radio comes on and it's some guy talking on the news and he's saying, well, we, you know, we're being invaded by like it, it, the subtext is like, it's a guy being racist, but instead of he's literally referring to minstrels. And so they hear this and they're like, they, the minstrels, the minstrels. Yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're like offended. Like, I can't believe we heard on BBC someone saying this racist. Oh, but their guys garbage. were playing lutes. They're not. But they are literal minstrels, and then they change the radio, and it's like, mammy. And then they start. It's so, oh, okay, like so fucking stupid. They committed to the racist joke because that's what you could do in the thousands, yeah. and everybody oh, loved oh, it. Oh god, everybody loved. It. Everybody was going for it. We had the man show back then. Remember the post nine eleven oh, man god. show? Did the man yeah. show ever do a nine eleven tribute? I, I think the mantra, I swear, could have ended just before 9-11. Like, it was one of those shows where it was in the Y2K era. So, 1990, let's say from Titanic to um, uh, Bush 2.0. That's the Y2K era. Mm-hmm. Did you see Titanic in the theater? I Not as a kid. No, I never saw it. Uh, in, I saw it the three times. What, in the theater uh, did you love what about it uh enthralled you oh my god i fell in love with it like i love that was like like it's a really Titan- scary fucking movie actually it, it's like you gotta hand it to jimmy he's good like, he's, he's the man he like he knows like what he's doing. I, re- I rewatched this as an adult for the first time in a long time like really long time like i think because like i saw it a billion times as a kid and the only reason I stopped watching is it, it was I got into Star Wars Special Edition. <laughs> but uh, and then I got into horror and that ended Star Wars for me. But um, it that's some tight. It's it's tight. It's everything. That's some, it's got literally it's everything, everything. And the, it's done the well movie, yeah. the way they're written. To, and he does do some like 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 against what Hollywood would expect. Like Kate Winslet wasn't a hundred percent. Like they probably wanted someone who was a little bit thinner to play that role. Right. And like, like maybe like, and he's like, no, I like her. I want her. Right. Like he, he's not as stupid as I'm. What's interesting about James Cameron is I think he understands that audiences 
want a populist message, which weirdly tacks towards something which you could almost describe left-wing, sort of nice left-wing yeah. populist Canadian values to. That's another fucking thing, too. Not a single piece of media before that ever even brought up class. Yeah. Titanic? Well, not, not, not as a media as popular as that. And I don't think since where, no. like, class is, like, built into the movie as, like, a, yeah. like, literally they are on a ship where the higher classes and the upper and the lower classes are divided, and you know. Like, that movie really, for the first time I'd ever seen in a movie, because, like, class is brought up in other movies, like, vague, there's vague allusions to it. But this, it was, it was a definitive like in your face part of the movie and uh, and i don't even know if i've seen that since in a movie like like a hollywood movie yeah right? like, like big ass, sure. i mean avatar basically which is about uh, yeah. you know, it, it, indigenous uh, revenge against uh, the evil capitalist forces when james cameron came to alberta to because he was invited to some sort of protest thing for the oil sands it's like good on you jimmy good on you but um what was i gonna say about, was so, about you, so you watched Titanic or, for like three times when you were a kid in the theater in the theater like my and my parents had to take me right you, you could like, pay attention to it that much as a six-year-old as a seven-year-old yeah and like they they didn't care about the sex scene or whatever no the first time my mom like she claims that like i was like that like this like i was kind of taken aback right yeah that's another thing too like that's an incredibly smart like you know people talk about how oh in old movies they're like come here and they kiss and then it crossfades to them smoking right yeah it's like okay we know what happened right yeah that titanic does that so well so they get in the car it's very sweet yeah. it's very he even plays it again coming back to class he's in the front of the car and he's like where to miss like it's it's so smart and then you see them start to do something and then it cuts to like they zoom into the window and it's her hand yeah right and, you can and she see, swipes and it to, and it's sweaty up. the car is fine it's up, like which is, that is good that is so yeah. clever yeah. clever yeah, you. It's because it still is a sex scene, but it's done in like an elegant or visually interesting or memorable way, which is how you got. You know, you can't if it was just you, you know yeah. Leo inelegantly railing <laughs> Kate Winslet. I think it would have been less effective. Bro. <laughs> just has the porn shot where you're looking down and then, uh, from the yeah. taint, from the taint perspective, I think it would. Yeah, that movie would have been better if there was a his tw his twink bot is arrested. <laughs> <laughs> like he he flips the script. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, some uh, I'm trying to think of uh, movies where like you need the sex scenes in them, or else they don't, or else they don't work. Uh, have you avoided the sex scene discourse on film Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I don't fucking care. I mean, it, sometimes they're gratuitous, but it just, I don't know, it never really bothered me because it's just, it's fake, right? It's like, yeah. it's not everything is the brown bunny where they're doing unsimulated fellatio, uh, right? It's like, yeah. I mean, that's that was always my thing as a kid, which was very nice because some people don't learn it early, but 
like uh, yeah. when you when you're a bit of a film nerd and you start thinking about the artists yeah. behind films um especially horror movies like i'm still scared at horror movies but i'm able to separate myself from them and often yeah. i think i'm thinking about how fun that was to do or like how much craft there was in like uh, like in uh, uh like when I'm watching Hellraiser, to me it's like less scary yeah. than thinking about that scene where the skeleton is like emerging out of the ground and like the animation is slowly building on him. You know, when I saw that yeah. really young, that's more when I what I was thinking about than like getting super invested in the scary situation as well. Uh, even Hellraiser was one of those series that I I didn't watch till adulthood, like. Yeah. Same with Friday the 13th. So Nightmare on Elm Street, I started young. Um, Halloween, I, I watched young. Yeah. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street is the best one because it. the big thing that Freddy has as an advantage to the other ones is he can go into dreams so they can change it each time, right? Like yeah. there's so many different things you can do in a dream. Oh, yeah. Versus, and really the only challenge is making the dreams really like being invented with that. But that's such a good yeah. sandbox to play with as opposed to michael and jason they it's really just well, what's your the worst thing is like you die from you know michael, yeah which is bad but I mean, he can kill them in creative ways right yeah. but but it's but not in, as existentially damning as freddy There's yeah about no. dying from your worst possible fear in the most horrible possible but, but also they can have so much fun with it right yeah. because it's a dream and anything can happen in it so they can do all these ridiculous things in them yeah like that in, you I can't mean, number do. three is is my fave oh three so three is that three Man george who's doing doing the the props in that or is it like not that i he may have but i'm not aware like i like everyone knows that he did society the shunting blah, blah, blah. but um three who are the effects people on that? I try to remember. Yeah, you look like it up. That's the effects movie, basically. You look it up while I wax about it because um, he... Okay, so I don't want to sound... Okay, so the part where... You know the part in 3 where they have like a group therapy session yeah. and they learn all their... In my dreams, it makes me fucking cry. <laughs> No, it's it like does. those characters are like, really. I do sympathize. Like I'm tearing up now. It's so sincere and sweet, and uh. and if you've ever, you know, the movie's obviously broad and heightened. But if you have ever been in like a group <laughs> mental health therapy session, it it's sort of they it, it the does of it. And they all say, oh, in my dreams. Because it, it's all these different archetypes and stereotypes of like, okay, so here's really what it is. These one-dimensional characters get to say, well, here's how I'm not. It's like what Breakfast Club thought it was. You know, like it, 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 in, in, in such a poetic, simple way. Mm-hmm. Well, so. yeah, because you're actually showing the projections of the troubled teens' ids in a in sort of a a, a much more visceral, a very a sincere metaphor. way, like the druggy kind of street girl. She's like, in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. 
that. And she has those rotating blades that they took from Barbarella. And then the, the nerd is like a wizard and like, Oh, Oh, Jesus. So the effects team for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I, I haven't heard of these people before, actually. it's They're not... Probably, like, a good, like, working, like, behind-the-camera people who weren't celebrity um, effects people like Stan Winston or, 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 or Screaming Mad George. Did you ever see that? By Peter Chesney and included Kevin Yeager and Mark Shostrom, who are just, like, uh, industry heads and are, are good at what they do, apparently. Did you ever see the video game Screaming Mad George Dead? No, what was it? Oh, it's this very so it's very early PS1 3D. And <laughs> so it's nightmare fuel, but in a very it's it's just uncanny. Like it, it can it literally cannot be described. I, I, like, I have to look that up. The screaming mad George. I mean, I'm a big fan of that guy. He's he's a cool dude. Yeah. I'm really. I've I've only seen a lot through his videos. And, but did so he did. Did he do any comics or anything? Or he did everything. Like there's there's probably Paranoia Escape is a par- the screaming mad George game. And from the looks of it, it's it's super cool. It has that beautiful look of early CG, like, uh, in the 1990s spawn movie when they're in hell uh, and all like the little composited Malibolgios are dancing around. And I, I still, I, I haven't seen it. Um, so that the spawn, um, Siskel and Ebert is really fun because Roger liked it and Siskel really didn't. <laughs> yeah. <that laughs> it's sounds about fun right. when they have, because they have a respect for each and like, and so, He's talking about the humor of the movie, and Siskel's like, "So you find that funny? You find fart any fart humor funny?" He's like, "What are you talking? That's the character. Like, yeah, I don't find it fu- like that's the character in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see occasionally one of them kind of get like, pick, like, kind of confused, like." what you don't like this movie yeah like kind of get like almost a little like i don't understand what's like or roper he um he wasn't a good enough foil for you because like i think roper didn't i thought roper did fine but that may be biased because i didn't start watching the show till um i was age appropriate um and and siskel had since passed yeah um, i watched but, i watched a lot of siskel and ebert as a kid because they were always being referenced on cartoons so i was just yeah like, like okay. the you really liked the critic right? i loved the critic as a kid it was uh... <laughs> i never watched the critic as a kid probably just i don't know i just maybe it's just because it wasn't on at the right time like a big thing for getting kids to enjoy a show was it had to be on at the right time like that's why sailor moon was so big in canada but not in the united states like it was on at the coveted like 4 p.m slot yeah like and in the states it was on at like nine or something so like yeah can't get can't turn can't turn the kids gay with sailor moon that's what happened. Yeah. To me. I watched Sailor Moon at five yeah. years old. Yeah, same. Became same. We both became gay because of Sailor Moon. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And Ryan Philippi. Yeah. And okay, so here's so, you know how there's certain reasons why you don't want to leave Twitter. 
and everyone has those specific reasons and really it's because you know where else are we gonna go right like i guess the other the alternatives are not that good yeah and, and there's just so many weirdos already on twitter who are just constantly yeah their ass all day and that's what you're there for the weirdo yeah like it's constantly. fun and i like a good turn of phrase right <laughs> and which is why i couldn't my thing could not feasibly be instagram because like yeah you can type but it's all pictures right <sighs> um also, the discourse, the discourse on Twitter is bad, but the discourse on Instagram it can be fun, though. Yeah. It can be fun, though. Oh, yeah. You can tw- you can curate your Twitter experience to the point where yeah. it's terrible. On um, film like Twitter and comedy Twitter and gay Twitter, th- like those, I, I like those inv- and horror Twitter, right? Sure. But, um, a big like there's certain practicalities of okay like sean ashmore follows me on twitter yay sean ashmore from and Animorphs it's like and x-men yeah yeah and and other stuff and it's like okay he like i i, I found him really he was he wasn't one of my first crushes but he was yeah. he was he was in that magical period of like internet porn hadn't quite developed yet and he was the appropriate age of like he's like 10 years older than us yeah so he was like a, a sexy 20 year old and but he's like, also like gentle and non-threatening like a yeah very and so so like i'm sorry when he likes something like i like like i get a i get legitimately excited and that's a hard thing to walk away from yeah it's a hard thing to watch what your child your childhood crush is now uh, uh yeah yeah uh, you can meet all sorts of straight like uh, uh yeah a childhood crush that held up right like i look back like remember the moffats <laughs> Uh, uh, did they? I I barely remember the Moffats. I don't well, remember just like, thinking they were they weren't my interest. But like, so that was an example of me and my friend Googled them and just like so before we Googled what they look at, like now we Googled them as they were. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are children. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it was like yeah. We were, well it was okay for like, you to be attracted to them yeah back. like we well, and at the time they were like five years young like older than not younger older than us yeah but like in my mind it's like oh those are big older boys right and yeah. now they look like these pimply faced kids yeah, and gross. it's so gross right and uh my yeah. my introduction to uh um for some reason, I don't know. It was always like it was uh, my introduction to homoeroticism was like wrestlers and martial artists, you know. See, I was never, and I'm really, I was like, the neighborhood I grew up in was somewhat working class, mm-hmm. and like it wasn't the most, but it was a little bit where all the boys were so into that. So to me, it was just like I can't, I can't watch that. That feels like homophobic. In a way, oh, I couldn't. Is, ex- is, I wasn't is, expressing. <laughs> I know, right? But like, I didn't know that at the time because, again, that was one of those things where I didn't seek it out. The internet we had didn't. I couldn't necessarily find out about it, so that wasn't necessarily my thing. Like, I know it's incredibly Reddit and basic, but like things like Disney's Robin Hood, 
and like yeah, other no, things wrong. like and yeah, you know, the Sears catalog, which yeah. again is fairly common in Reddit, but I don't like to mention the Sears There's catalog too because me, it, it, I feel like it ages it. me in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> because like we did have we we did get internet when I was six or seven years old, but it was dial up, and I just mm. I didn't even think I didn't even fathom like I can look at pornography on this at that age right yeah like, well i didn't even i didn't have my own laptop so it was until i had one it was yeah there was a home computer but it also just wasn't even there's that weird area where you're a kid and you're not seeking out pornography but you're finding things like robin hood and sailor moon and yeah it's activating and, some weird shit in your head yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know what are you gonna do that's life do you want to talk for a bit longer? I like I'm having a good time. Yeah, I can talk for a bit. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, I want to talk more about your freaking movie because I was so impressed with it. Um, can I? Can I just? Can I pour myself another? Pour, pour yourself another drink. Absolutely. Um, my leg fell asleep, so you can cut this out. You don't have to go. I can vamp. I can vamp as uh, this goes on. Uh, yeah. What I. So so uh, what I I thought about Skidamarink. What was very interesting to me about it, um, Kyle's not here right now, so I'm just, I'm vamping um, uh, without his knowledge. Um, so, so what was very, very cool to me about it um, was uh, it sort of felt like, uh, in some ways, a formal exercise in how to keep your interest while making the shots as long as possible. Um, which I thought was cool because for me, it totally succeeded in that respect. It was, uh, I was, uh, uh, the tension was kept, uh, up for me, the, the, because of the composition of the shots, you know, it, it was, uh, it was very cool for me. We just watching it the whole time. I, I watched it at home and I didn't end up seeing it in a theater and I really want to see it in a theater because I think it would have that you know, sort of Alex, I can't dream like effect. Oh, were you vamping? I was vamping. Um, oh, okay. And uh, you're well, really was, good at that. I like talking. It's it's one like, of the, that's why I did a hundred thousand episodes of a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you were really good. Like not to blow smoke up your ass, but like the cold cuts podcast, they, that's a, perfect example of chemistry mm -hmm. right like they have amazing chemistry which you really can't there's a reason why on top of like yeah they did have a built built-in fan base mm -hmm. because they're both very successful comic artists yeah but they they play off each other so well yeah. like they have incredible well, yeah, chemistry sort together of more aggressive and harris's beak and it before yeah the, the, like per comedy. perfect right like yeah yeah the shlemiel and the shlemazel right yeah but um um one of them <laughs> it's usually um well it's usually zach has to go for a smoke or no 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 yeah zach has to go for a smoke or harris has to use the bathroom mm -hmm. and one of them will have to vamp mm -hmm. and like they do a decent job but you do a really good job oh <laughs> thank you thank like you for you're you're really funny just because you have so much you really do contain multitudes and the multitudes are funny like the other day you were doing a 
mid-atlantic guy doing some guys. sort of, yeah 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 One you can do what you're you're almost like a maria bamford in that way Got a and lot of, a lot of voices in me yeah, that's and what I didn't like about True Detective season one because the serial killer is oh, a that, guy that has a bunch of little voices to himself. Yeah, I'm one here's of the guys. thing. He <laughs> I actually loves True Detective. I even like how it ends. Yeah, um, a, a few episodes way back, you said uh, your penis is like that is as 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 thin as the Tacoma's narrows Tacoma narrows bridge yeah and falls apart just as easily too and you said it in your incredibly articulate mid-atlantic accent <laughs> that it just it still just pops into my head when i'm at the grocery <laughs> store <laughs> that's very thank you that 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 like, i don't even remember saying that shit that, you said it perfectly Ah, your penis is just as thin as the Tacoma Narrows Bridge and falls apart just as easily. It's easily, too. Yeah. yeah, it was a per... So, just... I know this is an audio podcast. Mm-hmm. But just a fun little show and tell because you like the movie so much. I'll, descri- I'll describe what I'm seeing. I'm holding I up the tape recorder. The tape recorder. Who is the prop... Um, kind of the prop baby Jane of the movie mm-hmm. because uh, the phone became the real star. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of more the Joan Crawford and everyone cares <laughs> about, but the tape record, I really thought people were going to give a shit about the tape recorder. Like, and no one, no one tape really recorder doesn't have any eyes. Uh, so but like can... this, like this, I even sourced out because this was one of, uh, Oh, I want to, put this in this is going to be like my personal thing that i put into the movie mm-hmm. and like obviously there's more to it but it's got a beautiful design and it's very uh yeah it's my, sony's my first sony yeah i didn't it have was a lot i think was, the chatter telephone it, more people had the chatter telephone which is why they were scared of it so this was a line of sony um children's products that they had explicitly obviously to get children into the sony brand Mm -hmm. and they were insidiously called my first sony and it worked because in the back of my mind like i'm like sony i i still kind of go back to sony (laughs) you're still loyal to sony because you had a my first sony but other things too like as a filmmaker they're very clever at marketing at prosumer filmmakers because they'll they were good for a long time like i don't know if this has since changed but they would put two features into their camera that other manufacturers didn't Mm -hmm. that like prosumers prosumers and like middle-aged like kind of suburban dads who this is their kind of hobby Mm -hmm. like would get excited about with with sony it was slow motion like they put it in before like real like high frame rate slow motion yeah before um i'm sorry i heard a click and then you looked concerned. At no, your no, computer. no, that's okay. No, that thing was, like, I was concerned because oh, there's police like, sirens going on in my background. Oh, I can't hear them at all. That's all right. Um, 
freaking uh, goddamn Sunday. I mean, they got the they got the cameras which are nice, which are like uh, consumer grade below like red cameras or something like that, but still very yeah. Uh, well, confident. they have they have prosumer and then they have um, professional, which is a different thing than red and airy. Like really, there's red and airy, mm-hmm. and then there's the red and air like just below that market mm-hmm. like the two kings right red and airy mm-hmm. and then below that there's pro cinema cameras like the sony fx6 which is what we used for skin and marine and um there's this whole lineup of have you heard of the brand black magic no i don't know that Black magic says weird it's one of those brands where you really have to be a filmmaker you you really only have to be a filmmaker to have heard of it. Yeah, but they, they, they're actually an Australian brand and they, um, they sell a lot of, um, cinema cameras on the cheap and Mm, yeah. Pretty good. Uh, what I was vamping about, what I was talking about, uh, while you were, uh, uh, getting the old whiskey was, um, Part of what I liked about Skinnerberg, and I don't know if you intended this with this way, but it almost seemed like a study or a formal exercise in some way of like how do how do you maintain tension uh, throughout these like really long shots, and you know the answer to that in to some degree is like composition, because like composition is doing like a lot of the like. Uh, a lot of the work in like making those shots, you're able to pay attention to them for as long as you can, because like you just do that good thing where it's um, bands of light going across a frame that nobody fucking does anymore. And you yeah, were doing it, and, which is cool. Well, here's the thing though with that is that was heavily inspired by the uh, analog horror phenomenon, but a lot of it was also inspired by poltergeist but the thing is i think a lot of filmmakers shy away from that for a very understandable reason where it you're you're concerned that it will cause epilepsy issues and i even with my movie i i had this point where i was editing it and i was looking and i'm like Am, am I am I gonna gonna cause Pokemon situation? Yeah, exactly. Like remember, and then I was concerned for a few days, and then just by coincidence, I watched Poltergeist mm-hmm. or rewatched it, obviously for like the umpteenth time, and I'm like, yeah. this fucker probably put a lot of kids on the ground. So <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> no, it's I'm sorry. Like I, I. I to anyone who's um, lives with absolute, like I kid, I kid. No, but like, even in, like in, in, in not just the flickering lights, but in the um, uh, there was a, a post going a while back on film Twitter that contrasted the shot composition of the new Halloween from the old Halloween movie, right? Um, and you know, no shade to the new Halloween; they're fine movies, but for some reason the general style of digital filmmaking has tacked towards having these frames where there's not a lot of uh, saturation or color variation within the frame. Gray. Sort of, yeah, very gray and washed out, which is, yeah. I think the, the effect of it, it's supposed to uh, uh, evince a sort of verisimilitude. It's supported, this is looks more real 
somehow. But... I am so dumb in very specific ways. You've said that word a billion times on the podcast, and it's I haven't to look looked real. it up. It's yeah, it's supposed to bear a like cinema verite, yeah, uh, realism, hyper realism, or yeah, because yeah. because like in early digital filmmaking, like Michael Mann was really good at establishing yeah. the language of what digital but film he, is really good for. Uh, yeah, but he. <sighs> he really didn't overthrow it or overuse it. and he um he also with also position too <laughs> yeah like that's another thing too like he really did do it quite well in a certain regard like i don't think i don't think like he was because he's often brought up as as one of those filmmakers when digitals really started to get good, like Rodriguez and Lucas and Fincher, uh, I guess. Fincher, but I think Fincher and Man didn't get lost in the weeds with it. Like they really did, just still they really used it to the best advantage, but without losing sight of it has to look. You still want it to look like a movie, and a movie doesn't look like dog shit, right? Yeah, but um, yeah. So it, it, it so the, it was this thing going around of like the old Halloween, and it was just this negative space, two thirds of darkness, and you have Laurie Strode in the bottom third of the frame, and the colors really saturated on her. She's popping out because of the black behind her, and then in the new one, it's Laurie Strode and. It's difficult to separate background and foreground or like- and It's also like, shot incredibly close. Yeah. Did you notice that too with like the new Halloweens? It's it's shot very close up. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. always, yeah, very, not a lot of negative space in sort of yeah. like the way that things are shot. And your movie, tons of that shit, yeah, like tons of negative space. Which <laughs> Some I really would say too much. I think the perfect amount, frankly. But like, there's also, have you heard of the concept of someone else would, I don't think it's an exact um, synonym for um, negative space, but I've heard the term void space Yeah. where, um, you know, that musician Jandek, who's like yeah, this kind of outsider artist and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And someone described him, he's all void space. Like you have to make it all up. And mm -hmm. like, so him and his music was kind of inspirational in that regard. Oh yeah, um, you're like the caretaker, the musician. I don't know the caretaker, the musician. Oh, he does those. He he was well memed for a while because the the who's the Anthony Fantino did a whole thing on him. <laughs> like he has those. He has a. I don't know. It's hard to explain. The hate, the reviled Anthony Fantano. No, he's all right. I don't care about Anthony Fantano. Why is he reviled? Now? People are just annoying, you know, in the way that any YouTuber, you know, who's overexposed is annoying at some point. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? That's the tithe for being famous. Yeah. Uh, but, the Polly uh, Shore effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I think, um, so, so like, uh, one thing about the people ask what is skin and rink about is it's like it's about a divorce is it about uprooting is it about isolation but for me the thing that i really took from it um was like it really one it just captures the feeling of being a kid in general 
and just being really yeah. scared, like the emotional sense memory of just like being small and looking up at the ceiling constantly and like yeah. not knowing what's going and like even the, the fact that it's sort of grainy and it, it reminded me of an LSD, how it feels to be like on LSD. But that's also how it was like to be as a kid, you know, when you're a well, kid, you're also like when you open your eyes in the dark, like yeah. you, you do see grain. Yeah. Or is that just me? No, that's a th HP. Okay. Lovecraft. Have you heard of HP Lovecraft's night gaunts that he would stare at the wall in his childhood room and he no. would see demons in the wall? Yeah. Oh. It's a classic thing. It's a, it's yeah. a, and because, and it was, no, that was exactly the thing for me because as a kid, it wasn't. There's a joke somewhere there about him looking at the dark. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm scared of the dark. Really? HP Lovecraft? Hey, really? really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I'm racist. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Freaking, um, yeah, because when I was a kid, it wasn't dreams that have, I had terrible childhood insomnia, um, which um, is, you know, why I'm like a huge fucking pot smoker now. I did too. Insomnia, yeah. And um, so much of my time as a child was just spent awake, trying to fall asleep, looking at the ceiling, and then yeah. shit would start moving around, and I'd be afraid that the demons were coming for me. Yeah. So it really captured that fuck. And not only that, because like when you're a childhood insomniac, what you'll just go around, what you'll do is you'll sneak out of your room at night and go to scary dark places in your own house, like in your basement. Yeah. 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 And so whatever. I never know, went to the basement when I was like scary, by myself yeah. when in the dark. Yeah. You get your goddamn face taken away. That's what, that's what happens down there. And also, you yeah. know, I love how the movie is like very, uh, uh, it's sort of uh, Freudian in the sense where the kids are going to a super ego state where their parents are and then that being dashed away and then coming yeah. back to an ego state and then going down to the basement. There's a very like... And a lot of that was like... Mind thing there. Like a lot of that is like, it's it was subconscious, right? Like I kind of just... Like, I kind of just let the script flow, and That's you'll be surprised. Happened. Yeah, yeah, like, you probably get this as an artist, but you just let sort of throw, flow, and you write it down, and then later it's like, there, there, there is Freud in this, and there is, because, like, yeah, stuff you there is possibly poetry in this, yeah. yeah, or even stuff before you put it out. Where it's like you know, you know, my subconscious. He's he's pretty clever, pretty yeah, clever. That yeah, guy, right? yeah. You think like yeah. one of the things. I don't know if you intended this, but Legos are a big motif in the movie. Yeah. But the fact that they have like their little Lego city. And the fact that miniatures in movies and especially horror movies and like, yeah, like hereditary Nectiki, New York, you know, are all about yeah. a character trying to exert control over a chaotic situation. Yeah. And that was, that was just an accident too, but like, I'm not dumb. Like when I was writing it, I'm like, there is some symbolism here. Right. Yeah. But it was also just like, I thought it was a fun visual motif and it was also like what would me and Candace do in this situation? Oh, we play with Lego. We do yeah. this. We try to calm down. Yeah, yeah, thinking about it logically, but even sort of the logic of those images. That's what's great about movies is that once you film something in a certain way at a certain angle with certain blocking, you can create the iconic image and give it importance that it wouldn't have just by looking at it on its own or casually.
Yeah. A lot of the like shots in the movie, like the way they appear, like the 572 day shot and stuff, like that's written very descriptively in the script where the way you see it on screen, it's literally described in that way. Like even down to the mathematical of this degree and this degree and da da da. Like a lot of the composition is described very that movie really did turn out so much the way i wanted it to that's i mean it looks very i don't think it would have been as successful if it didn't seem as deliberate as it was Mm -hmm. um because that's what you got to do when you're doing like okay these are really long shots i'm really trusting the audience here in order to not be dumbasses you know how do i how do i like put my whole ass into this and make these interesting you know a film a film school instructor of mine said, you know, try to, try to, I don't even know what it is. Just like, okay, try to, <laughs> you were just like, so, I am so dumb. That's all right. We're all dumb. Uh, what what did he say? It was something about the, uh, how do you... The audience has an actual brain. Yes. Yeah, which evidently escaped me there. So, which is ironic, but... I mean, if you're doing something, were you worried it would be polarizing because of the the slowness of it, or...? There was a little part of me that kind of wanted it to be polarizing, but... I didn't think it was going to be this polarizing, right? Was it and very polar? Because it's like it's funny that Chantal Ackerman gets because it's the people like, who uh, hate it really hate it, and the people who love it really love it. That's a big <laughs> yeah. Thing. Like there's been nine tattoos. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if there's a lot of pressure of being permanently etched on. But you've probably, like, so you've, I assume there's been House of Decline tattoos, right? I, I've never seen one. People have asked me to get one, but nobody has shown me their tattoos yet, which, uh... No one sent it to you or no added one sent you? It to me. I feel, I feel they, they, uh, chickened out at the last moment, but, uh... uh Skinner, they're probably I out it there. really gets into people because it's really good at just capturing that childhood anxiety sense memory that, you know... I really haven't seen a movie articulate it, uh, something quite like that uh, before. Yeah. Uh, which Can is we why. talk about The Simpsons? Yeah, let's talk about The fucking Simpsons. Uh, why do so, you want to talk about The Simpsons? So, like, The Simpsons has influenced me in a lot of ways, too. And, like, you know the episode of Lisa where she has to babysit Bart, right? Yeah, that's a nightmare. That's, episode, yeah. yeah, that's an excellent example of horror, even though it's not even really played as horror, but it's a perfect example. And I think they were drawing a tiny bit of inspiration from whatever happened to Baby Jane. Mm-hmm. But it's an excellent example of like, what if just everything keeps going wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Right? And you get way more in over your, in such a vivid way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that and episode it, and, stressed me out as a kid when she's I know in the wheelbarrow on the side of the road. I was like, it's okay, still funny though, right? yeah. and she's eight, right? <laughs> and then it ends perfectly too because, like, 
the Flanders call her and she's like, didn't you hear? I almost murdered Bart. Yeah. It's like murdered. He's like, just a second. Like, so can you come over at seven? So really, <laughs> yeah, that's even more crazy. horrifying too, because are we to assume that he talked it over with Maude and she's like, <laughs> it's fine. Or yeah. he talked it over with, Ma- I'd like to think he talked it over with Maude and she gave him more context and based on pragmatic context, he was able to still make although that's bad yeah, too. well because well, the other way to take that joke is that flanders is actually more impressed that she attempted to kill a devilish person like bart but i oh. think what the joke is is just that it's so hard to find a babysitter that yeah like, oh you almost killed a person yeah we'll take our chances she's also good yeah. with todd and rod you know so, so so you know what they haven't done uh, they really should do an episode where okay, no cheating, mm-hmm. like Homer and Flanders have sex. <laughs> and okay, here's how I would pitch. I'm serious. Okay, so it would be okay. Marge and Homer visit someone, or they go and they discover someone who's in an open marriage. Yeah. And then they discuss, you know, Homer, what you, what you should do with that? All right, I don't know. So they decide to do it. And then, like, Flan- I don't know. And then Flanders, and, like, Marge's subplot is, like, I don't know, maybe she sleeps with Mo finally. <laughs> maybe, or she sleeps with uh, whoever Flanders is dating at the time, who I guess was Edna Krabappel. But is not any. Uh, that's Mark so sad. Lesbian. Yeah, sad about Marsha Wallace. She yeah. she was uh, she she ruled. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Homer and Flanders hooking up because it's like uh, you know it's a it's a bear and a muscle daddy. You know, I'm sure there's yeah. plenty of Homer and Flanders gay pornography. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one one fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old the, the classic Branson Reese comic, the wonderful wonderful Branson Reese comic. Where the original is the funniest version. Um, what if Simpsons porn was? <laughs> it's so funny that people get. I just, sometimes I just that though. They just porn. that. Yeah. Just, that's the only form of porn that's like, just that. Yeah. Not Family Guy porn. That's no, not porn. Family Guy. Yeah. That's like encouraged weirdly. Yeah, you can get yeah. a grant. <laughs> yeah i'm getting my uh, i'm getting my shirk grant for my family guy hentai uh, what's shirk stand for shirk is some sort of uh it's the it's the oh, one you get as a grad student in canada it's a oh we never get for big i i forget what maybe it's an ontario only thing might be an ontario i have or maybe it's an art only thing uh either way yeah, I mean, The Simpsons is huge for me, too. I guess in horror as well, because, like, Treehouse of Horror was, like, uh, yeah. uh, my first uh, introduction to a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, you know, talk about watching movies when you're way too young, you know, watching The Fly when I was way too young. I watched The Clockwork Orange when I was, like, eight years old. Eight, hey, yeah, I heard, yeah. Uh, because of uh, <laughs> because of The Simpsons, you know. But uh, um, it didn't really yeah. fuck me up. So, Stanley Kubrick supposedly was a fan of The Simpsons. I could believe that. So, like, I wonder if he saw that episode. <laughs> I wonder if he thought it was funny. Like, 
they made a lot of reference. Bart was dressed as uh, Alex in one of the treehouses of horrors. Well, I was thinking more of the shining treehouse oh, yeah, of horror, right. right? Oh yeah, I love that one. Give me the best. Part. A, that's the fun. That's the funniest treehouse of horror segment is the shining pair. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like joke. Jo- it's so tight. It's like as tight as a Thirty Rock yeah. episode. It's just tight, 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 tight writing. All beer and no TV makes Homer do something. Go crazy. Don't find him, but do. It's like, you stay here till you're no longer insane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that shit is like, man, the ghouls. (laughs) We've been (laughs) the ghouls for some reason drag him out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could reminisce about the fucking Simpsons all day. I haven't seen it in forever. I don't know what any of the new seasons are like. Maybe it's. You should watch the. You should watch the. Do you watch the Tree Houses of Horror on Halloween? I don't watch it. Maybe I should. Yeah. I don't have Disney Plus. You should get Disney Plus. There's there's good. Zardos is on it. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right why not yeah i guess fox owns Zardos, i guess yeah like and it's not hidden either like it's not exactly advertised on the front page but it's it's there yeah it's uh yeah it's funny to me now that uh it's always sunny in philadelphia is a disney property that still mm-hmm. weirds me out i can't i it. really tried yeah. that like everyone's like it's just like something they're not like they're like this is kind of like seinfeld yeah i gave it two full seasons i really tried it's i could not get into it it. bums you out if you watch too many episodes in a row i just didn't find it funny enough yeah that'll happen but uh i i I like it's always then i gave it the college try yeah i have a friend who he really likes seinfeld but he doesn't he's never really watched curb except the seinfeld season okay well, that's and he loves He's missing out on so many great episodes. I know. Like when he he uses the sex worker to get in the carpool lane. Yeah. <laughs> and she was she played a sex worker in Black Dynamite too. Sure. Sometimes yeah. I guess you get you get pigeonholed into yeah into one into one thing. Like that mm. fella that's played a, a guy named Hector in like seventy movies. Did you notice also who? Oh no! There's some character I forget who it is, but there's some Hispanic character actor who's literally. I'd probably recognize him instantly. Uh, a character. Uh, I'm looking it up on the internet. Character actor Hector. There was um. Have you ever seen Natural no, Born Noel Killers? Albert uh, Guglielmi, also known as Noel G, <laughs> known for playing Southern California gangsters. Uh, so yeah, this is the guy that's played Hector. Southern Cal. So that means I assume Latin, right? Uh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that because I'm looking through his character list and none of these people are named Hector. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, you know, it's weird. In Natural Born Killers, there's a waitress and I'm like, uh, she's familiar. And I'm like, she also played a waitress on Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm like, what a weird two things to play a waitress in, <laughs> right? Like, these are, I mean, they're they're both about nothing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Oliver Stone. Is he good? I sort of go back what, and forth. Well, he's a he's a super tanky, but um I love his politics, but like he wrote he He's wrote a little too much of a tanky. Yeah, I'm fine. He's like he's like a Maoist of his generation, you know. I know, but like he like he he has 
total rose-colored glasses with Putin. Oh, you know, like he oh, thinks yeah. they, he thinks yeah, every oh, yeah. like he thinks everything we hear about Putin is propaganda. Oh yeah, all the Maoists from that generation, you know. Yeah, like, I get like, like it's hard living through here. Vietnam, but yeah. um, but so I don't know. Like I I haven't really seen any of his recent work. Yeah, I don't. I remember. I think the last movie I saw was Savages, the one with. Uh, I haven't uh, seen it. It's the the weed dealing one. The, yeah, I can't. I or, or, I'm sure he's done stuff since then, but that movie was always funny to me because it had the phrase "wargasms" in it. Because oh. one of one of the fellas in it uh, is uh, is a veteran, and uh, the character explains that she she's in a relationship with two men. One is hippieish and played mm-hmm. by Aaron Taylor Johnson, and he's called Chon C H. which i remembered because it's a a ridiculous name yeah john is like the hippie weed grower and the i don't know who the it's like it's like one of those uh interchangeable guys like taylor kitchers taylor kitch is actually pretty good i shouldn't make yeah uh taylor kitch uh but uh savages 2012 movie it is taylor kitch Uh, okay no, Taylor Kitsch plays Chon, the veteran. The veteran. Uh, oh my god, you just proved the point. There you go. Um, um, and uh, so one of the interchangeable Chon. twinks. Yeah. Um, and Chon is the veteran, and uh, Blake Blake Lively, I suppose, is the is the woman who is in a relationship with both of them. And during a scene where they're having sex, an unnecessary sex scene, uh, yeah. she says uh, he doesn't have orgasms. He has wargasms, uh, which, is, which is funny. I like that phrase because I was. He's oh, good. A lot like of he does have some. He does have some good humor in his stuff. Uh, Oliver Stone. Yeah. Yeah, he's funny. He's. He, I like a lot of it. I like JFK. I like. Yeah, I like a lot of. I like Platoon. It's fine. Yeah. It's, we had to watch that in film school in one of the classes. Mm-hmm. and like i had seen it before but like i was trying to quit smoking and that's a hard movie to watch <laughs> when you're trying to quit smoking. like they're all just constantly smoking yeah i guess the last fiction movie he did was or not fiction but the last uh, uh non-documentary movie he did was the snowden movie with joseph gordon levitt which i didn't say mm. yeah which is you know sure why not <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess let's, let's, let's round it out. We've been talking for a while here. Um, Mm. I just want to know what, what did first get you into horror? What was like the thing that was like, I want to make a fucking horror movie, you know, can you trace it back to any? Yeah. Goosebumps and are you afraid of the dark? And perfect. Cause Canada is the land of children's horror. Canadian content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in that sense, I saw another influence, which I saw in your movie too, was like Norman McLaren, weirdly enough. Yeah, movie. so he, yeah, he was a, for the, for the audience, he was, in Canada, we have something called the National Film Board. Um, during the war, it mostly did propaganda. And then after the war, um, they expanded it quite a bit and and it actually grew into this quite well-respected institution that does animation, documentary, and and shorts. 
um and it's since like like almost every year it, it gets at least one oscar nomination either in yeah. documentary short or animation but yeah and, art, art shorts too they're like weirdly well distributed and beloved amongst canadian children as well yeah and there was this um animator kind of avant-garde animator in the 50s called norman mclaren who um did, did a lot of neat things so he would do stop motion but with people yeah and um or he would do stuff like draw on the actual film strip yeah and like even on the soundtrack portion to so it would have like this like kind of synthy sound to it mm -hmm. he was actually also a homosexual wonderful yeah Wonderful. I mean, I, I I love his ballet one, Pas de Deux, where it's a, which is about like afterimage technology effects. Yeah, which is like a, but he uses it gorgeously, beautifully. Do you like uh, Arthur Lipset? I don't know Arthur. Li Who is Arthur? Lipset? So he was kind of this experimental slash documentary guy who did. Um, he did this one short called 2187 that's kind of like all this visual audio montage. Mm -hmm. And 2187 was actually very influential on George Lucas. So some shots in THX 1138 are direct um, allusion to Arthur Lipset's uh, National Film Board work. And also... THX one one three eight is also a reference on the short film two one eight seven. There you go. Fuck yeah! I, it's it's always funny how like weird experimental stuff ends up getting repeated into the mainstream. I mean, we were talking about yeah. Stan Brackage earlier, and there's a direct line from him to South Park, which I yeah Stan about. right yeah. yeah um do you so how do you feel about thx 4138 it's great it's it's some would I, some might say uh, it is the best george lucas movie he knocked yeah it like, with the the first one it's perfect and the more i think i rewatched it the other night and I'm, i just started getting mad at hollywood and Matt, I'm like, how, like, this is a masterpiece. And that man, so those, those are just sets he found. And then I, I had flashbacks to like, when I saw that, when it was re-released, I was in my teens mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to be like this. Like, I want to do stuff like this. Like he did. So they didn't really build any sets for the movie. It's all places he found, but you can't tell it all. Yeah. Like it feels like the future. And I'm like, I'm going to do something like that where it's like gorilla, but clever. Mm -hmm. Like he was so like, I had a THX 1138 poster next to my Kira poster. Yeah. And like, Oh god, that it's perfect. It's great. And it's really fucking good. I mean, it's so, really it's gr gross seventies architecture. It was just he he was in the right place. Yeah, the right time. yeah. Like all this Southern California, like they just built this university stuff, right? Like a, a lot of stuff, which you can tell, like oh, that's probably a university, but with the right lighting and the right yeah. set tech, it feels like the future. So there's a fun, there's fun, like oh, and I can see stuff from this that are in star wars right mm -hmm. like stuff that he likes to do like so for example there's a scene in thx 1138 where there's this woman 
who is is she's engaging something called a mind lock on our protagonist Mm -hmm. and she does it wrong and it causes them to mess up and do a meltdown Mm -hmm. and there's a scene where like someone calls her and they're they're like who authorized a mind lock on thx 113 and she's like and she hangs up and i'm like (laughs) that's like the scene in star wars where han solo does that yeah but done in a different and i'm like oh that's so sincere right and just like you you iterate on your your own stuff when you're a director yeah and it's so like if you look at that and then look at star wars you see the multitudes that were actually in him like thx is it's it's like a Cassavetes movie. Yeah, like it's so realistically done. And Star Wars is obviously a very different movie, mm-hmm. but like so tonally completely different. Yeah, well, it and, just doesn't have it. It's not. It doesn't have the same crushing negativity as THX Eleven. Yeah, but there's even there's some like sweet moments. Like there's just it's all like. I was rewatching. I'm like, this, this influenced me so much. Like, just everything done visually and in hints and in 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 just okay. In this shot, you see this, and then you see that. Like, there's a shot where um, La is watching, monitoring all the cameras, right? Mm-hmm. And in one, you see she sees on a screen a little kid like peek their head up on the camera and then run away, and you see her kind of smile. And it's like, that's all you need for like a little bit of her character development. Like she's maybe different and like wants to have a kid and like Mm. is sentimental in a way that other people in her society aren't supposed to. And like, yeah, that's what you're always thinking about. How can I use visual information to convey something deep about a character very quickly? Because you only get two hours, you know? So you gotta, if you want to create deep characters, you know? That's what I was always impressed with, say, like, uh, Quentin Tarantino said his favorite movie of, like, the 20th century was Battle Royale. And he's got a lot of polarizing opinions, but I tend to agree that's one of the better fucking movies. And what I was always impressed, uh, especially impressed by that movie, is the tightness of the script writing, how it's just... It's so tight. There are 17 characters that all have arcs like satisfying arcs in this movie yeah and you did it in like two hours i don't understand how you did that shit it's just fucking tight 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 writing done so quickly but you're your weeb is showing about sorry that's all right i'm fine with being i am a weeb i i fully admit that but we've come to the we've been talking a while uh, we can all trace it back to Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait, okay. Before we, so we'll end it on what's your favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark and or Goosebumps? What the, the art, my favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark is the 13th Floor. That's the one that all oh, yeah. get out of me as a kid. Wait, is it called the 13th Floor in, in, in that? The tale of the 13th floor. It's the one where the yeah, yeah, that sounds the, right. The yeah, aliens are coming down. They're yeah, like the weird oh. experimental stuff. And then I swear that one. They didn't play it like it wasn't on as heavy rotation as the other ones, and it always felt ironically like an inaccessible episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are the other ones there? I always like the one where they're in the alien human zoo, and the deaf girls got to get them out. I was uh... <laughs> yeah, but there's such a there's such a okay. Like I know it's tacky, but like that's like okay, smart, smart, incredibly manipulative writing. 
Yeah. Right. Like a case of a whole time he doesn't talk, and then she, like they don't talk, and then it ends with her saying like it's like she hasn't talked the whole time, and then yeah. she says in a deaf voice like it's not that I don't talk, you don't yeah. listen. Yeah. And it's like oh, like hand them the Emmy right there. Right? Yeah, like that's like, perfect like, messaging for a kid. Yeah. Like, right. Like to communicate ableism to a child. You know that's perfect script writing as well. Fun thing about Are You Afraid of the Dark is that they intentionally did unconventional casting. Like they made a point to say, okay, we're gonna, we're not going to, like they intentionally. It's not just white kids in it. Yeah, yeah, like that was a bit, but like in other ways too. Like this kid's too short. This kid's too fat. Like they yeah. they would do they would do casting like that. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, that's that's what made these characters relatable is they were closer to me in appearance and uh, and demeanor. Uh, and favorite uh, Goosebumps episode. Favorite Goosebumps episode. Canadian. Tele- um, trying to think of the ones that the ones that I most viscerally related to was the the piano practice one because I oh because you played piano. piano. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I. No, the image of like the severed. That's a really disturbing piano. One. That's a really good uh, fucking image, you know. And it's implied he plays piano f- for eternity. Yeah, it's shit's uh, fucked up. I don't like for because death. I mean, that's also why I like Skinner because there's like, like sort of a element that maybe Kevin dies, but maybe he's just dying for eternity in this void or something uh, like that, which is a much scarier idea. Yeah, simply and it, maybe that comes from goosebumps a little bit i don't know and then okay like favorite episode of frasier (laughs) favorite episode of and there are wrong answers and you can't say the frasier crane day episode or the moment they're at the ski lodge or the one where they do buttons and bones because that's also buttons and buttons and buttons and buttons and bones yeah something it's bows buttons and bows yeah okay sorry um i think it's the one where he he has to pretend to be jewish uh, because that uh, very, yeah. that's a late Stupid. season one, but you know, that's the crux of every Frasier episode. Yeah. It's like every season, it's like, oh, Frasier has to pretend to be gay in this episode, Niles yeah. has to pretend to be gay, and then Martin has to pretend to be gay in this episode. But there's one where Frasier's dating a Jewish girl, and they'd like, um, they witness a Jewish argument. Like, because the way that Jewish parents and children argue with each other, they just fucking screech at each other, and then they reconcile yeah. immediately, and that's how yeah. I, I very much talk with my. And then Fraser and Martin try and do it, and they do it terribly and inappropriately. Yeah, yeah. Get, and I always thought that was a very sort of uh, that was a well observed thing about Jewish parental and child relationships, mm-hmm. which is why I like that episode. Um, but I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, what, okay, so your three top. Are you afraid of the dark episode? Okay, so are you afraid of the dark? I like the pinball one. The pinball one is really just cool. for the aesthetics yeah. and the sound design. Goosebumps, probably. It's it's got to come back to. I know it's the easiest one, but haunted mask. It's the best one. It's it is objective. I mean, it's really fucking scary. It it's the only one that like actually takes itself very seriously as well. Most of them it were kind of jokey. So well, and okay, I really think R.L. Stein was being very personal with it. Mm. Like, okay, it's a kid who everyone makes fun, and her thing to get as I'm gonna scare them. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I think that's, I, th I think he's being very personal with that. Like, I think it was interesting that a horror author, the thing that makes her different is that she's, everyone scares, well, I'm going to scare them back. Mm -hmm. Right. And then favorite Frasier episode, got to be the one where Niles and, and, um, well, let's sleep together. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a fantastic one. That yeah. was always something that was weird to me in Frasier, where they're always talking about, oh, Lilith is, you know, she's unattractive. But Baby Newith is, like, comically attractive. She's so... But, like, they, so she's intentionally done up to be as unattractive as possible, right? Yeah. Like, how to... Like, it's very much that, okay, tiger even, even that and talk in a monitor. when she's, like, done yeah. up to be, like... There's uh, a dominatrix like, effect to it. Yeah. This woman is yeah. obviously one of the most beautiful women in the world. Right? I know. Oh, right uh, yeah. but she's turned out to be ice cold yeah um oh actually that's another good one where they're trying to get freddie into the pr uh, private school by any yeah necessary, and they say oh we met gold of my year and uh they keep injuring freddie back at that yeah no that's a good you one. see helen mirren is gonna i think it's already wrapped and gonna release soon she's gonna play her in a, a thing in it she's gonna play lilith Go, gold on my ear oh, she's gonna play gold on my ear okay yeah yeah uh all right sure you know <laughs> why not she's a world and figure ingrid bergman played her back in the day too she's you know i could this isn't an israel episode we did oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i know yeah Get it, i'll start, oh, talking, about said, gold like, my, wanna... start talking about ben gurian <laughs> i didn't want to touch this uh subject yeah <laughs> okay we could we could touch the subject but um yeah i don't know if that's the one i'm looking forward to i think the one that i sort of want to see that's coming out recently is the sofia coppola priscilla movie I think oh my god this movie every year i'm i'm dead serious uh, like, supposedly this one is really good too someone did a did you ever see that movie ring bling bling uh, ring bling, or whatever bling ring no i didn't see that one so there's a scene where I haven't seen it either. I just know it through memes. Sophia Coppola directed it, but there's a scene where Emma Watson's character is being escorted out of um, a courtroom session mm -hmm. and she's crying and they ask her like, how'd it go? And she's like, not good. And they're like, this is how Baz Luhrmann's going to be leaving Priscilla. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elvis is sort of a, Elvis is meant to be a ridiculous hagiography. So I, I don't really think it's uh you know, again, yeah. in that much opposition to a movie that's sort of a, a grittier appraisal of the problems of sexual assault and coercion with that relationship. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it works out. Anyway, uh, anyway, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on. I love your movie, and it makes me so happy that, uh, you know, you 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 listen to my uh, podcast and stuff like that. It, it, yeah, I'll probably listen to it after this. Don't feel creeped out about it. I won't. I will. I will not. That is my, okay. that is the house guarantee. But uh, do you have any uh, plugs other than your movie? Uh, can follow me on twit uh, the twitter.com website at Kyle Edward Ball, and you can see my movie on Shutter, AMC Plus, Hulu in the United States, in Spain. We are releasing on Filmin. 
uh, uh, tomorrow, which interestingly enough was kind of the streaming service that um, led us to being pirated, but always forgiven. <laughs> so well, kind of ironic. Circle, yeah. Ironic, yeah. Um, uh, and we're on a, a, a Hallmark channel. No, I, I don't know what other services we're on. Hallmark Sometimes channel. we release in a country and they don't tell me. And then it's just like, I start getting all these fall. Like we released in Russia and made $60,000. And like, they didn't give me a heads up that was happening. My I told my friend who was born in Siberia, mm-hmm. And she's like, aren't they under sanctions? And I'm like, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think it applies to movies, right? Like, yeah. Um, are you going to, are there going to be some huge tariffs on your Russian skin and rink money because of the ongoing? <laughs> uh, my mom's a bookkeeper. I'll get her to ask, but yeah. I did get some money from Russia already. So there you go. Um, yeah. I, I imagine. I relate to this. This is just like childhood. This is just a be- beautiful capitalist home yeah. with no windows. <laughs> well, actually, um, so spoiler, we already spoiled Skidder Rig, but that, that one shot where you're, you finally show like the house in the void and sort of the steam is emanating off of it. I that's think. a dollhouse. That's a dollhouse? That's so cool. That's yeah, that's no, amazing. so here's the weird thing. Like you don't... And that was always supposed to read as a dollhouse because in the 572 day shot, you see that dollhouse from the other side Mm -hmm. tipped over. So I thought it would read as a dollhouse in that shot. And then like people didn't, like but like People it's a very it the house but the uh, house right even though so, there's doors and windows on it so it can't be yeah. the house but um which i guess shows to how kind of well edited that shot is because it's just me and it's just me and my ad holding the house upside down to the ceiling mm-hmm. then we flipped it and i matted out everything around it applied so, it, so oh, I that's guess an it, f- that wasn't an animation thing because it looks like a david lynch the alphabet so animation. the house and about this much around the house are in camera mm. and then everything else is content aware yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's cool yeah but yeah, my yeah. thought when I saw that shot is, well, that's just like what living in Edmonton is like, just this yes. isolation and darkness. <laughs> yeah. Well, I live downtown though. Yeah, yeah. But so. yeah, in suburban Edmonton where yeah. know, where you would assume Where it's that. set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, coming back to Edmonton right at the end. Kyle, thank you for coming on. Uh, we look uh, forward to your next movie greatly. Uh, I, I really want to see it. And uh, thank you for making film. Thank you for joining us in this house of decline. <laughs> we'll tie in <laughs> there. The we'll tie in there. I said the things. In this house. Yeah.